Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Moran Pober. He is the CEO and founder of Acquisitions.com. Welcome to the podcast, Moran. Thank you for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So you and I were talking a little bit before the podcast here about uh, the world of mergers, acquisitions, startups who are always looking to figure out what their exit strategy is. These are all important things as a business owner when you're building Mm -hmm. your empire and then you're trying to figure out like, what do I do next if I've come to the point where maybe I want to sell or maybe I want to scale and and merge. So tell me about your your mission, like your background. How did you come to doing acquisitions.com? Um, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. It's almost a question about how, how do we, how, how did we come to do anything in life that we're doing right now, right? What is, um, what, what is our journey in life in general? For me, it started as, uh, as being an entrepreneur in a very early age. I started selling flowers in the street almost accidentally. I don't know, I just want to make, make some money with my friend. So that was called my first business when I was like 16, 17. We made some money. Then I went to the military when I was 18 for a few okay. years which made me realize that um, I didn't really have a business. I had a job inside of a business that without me working there day to day, there was just no business. After the military, I pretty much just realized that I don't like when people tell me what to do. So that <laughs> led me on a, on a path of um, starting different businesses. So I, I, I left the military. I started working as a bartender and on the side, I started working in different businesses. I sold things on eBay. I, was buying and selling domains very early and then almost accidentally i bought an app company that eventually i turned around and one of that app became a top 100 app in the app store so that was called my big uh, my first big success story that really made me probably enough money uh, to not need to work at that level of income that i had back there like at that level of uh, ongoing expenses and that led me to just more acquisitions i had um, I, i just since then bought digital agency company, a media company, e-commerce companies, uh, different local stores. Uh, I then became a partner in a VC firm in Israel that invested in tech companies, then an investment banking firm. And long story short, now in the last two and a half, three years, I became the owner of acquisitions.com. Uh, we became pretty much called the largest M&A community marketplace for people that are looking to buy um, and invest in, in businesses. And we're involved in 100 plus transactions in the last three years. Uh, one of them is um, actually a roll-up in the Amazon FBA space that is now doing mm-hmm. 200 million in revenues. And yeah, now, now we also, we want to take the, call it the asset base that we build, the ecosystem that we built and roll up different uh, verticals in our space and just create great businesses with great people and just have fun doing this. No, that's great. I mean, it sounds like your background really started. I mean, you, you, you're doing the flower business early on, which is a very much brick and mortar traditional business where you have to be there. And then you pivot into this online world of domaining, which I did domaining early on too. I used to have a portfolio with thousands of domains. Clearly nothing as good as acquisitions.com, but um, you know, it's a, it was a great world for me to get my teeth sort of cut into the world back in 99, 2000. And, um, I've, I've been in the online space ever since. So I, I love the world of online. You're talking about FBA, you know, Amazon stores and stuff like that. It gives entrepreneurs the ability to build a business without having to do all the traditional building all the different departments and, and obviously people heavy usually, whereas online, it's not as people heavy. You can automate a lot of things. So, so talk to us about acquisitions.com. Like, are you guys more on the buy side or sell side of businesses? 
Yeah, so we're more on the buy side. So there's a lot of people who come to us who are looking to sell the business, but then usually what we do is we use that database of people looking to sell the business and introduce them to buyers in our network. Okay. So what we what we work with is usually um, call it the buy side, the CEOs, the business owners who want to grow by acquisitions, and we support them with introducing them to deals, introducing them to capital, and supporting them post acquisitions to make sure that the integrations with their existing business or in general. Uh, post acquisitions is being done correctly. What would you say in in that world that you see right now when business is trying to sell, what's their biggest challenge? Is it technology? Is it finance? What What is it? For those who are looking to, to sell or to buy? Uh, really looking to, in either in either case, right? If I'm trying to scale a business or, or yeah. if I'm just trying to sell and get out, what, what are the things that those buyers are looking for that you might not have in place? And I, I asked this question, Moran, because a lot of those traditional business owners who may not have the, the, the technology stack in place or all the things that you really need to be able to address as far as like a business and their intellectual property goes, what, what are some of the challenges that you see um, in that world? Yeah, so, so it might not be the answer that most people are, are looking for, but I would say the biggest challenge for businesses doing Whatever business is doing more than a million or two a year in revenues, the biggest challenge is people. So it's the idea of leadership and understanding what it likes to lead people in general. So what it looks like from even the woo-woo stuff, like what are what's the vision of the business? What are the goals? What's the values? What's the org chart, organizational chart looks like to be able to scale? What's the process of building the team? What's the process of building a culture? Like I've studied so many roll-up and integrations and consolidation plays, and you find out that most people think that for you to dominate your industry, you need to have the best operations or the best okay. financial structures. But the biggest challenge is actually cultural, is the idea of how can we connect people together? How can we have synergies together? How can we make sure that when we try to grow the business, we're not breaking the business because we don't have the fundamentals in place? How do we make sure that in general, we know how to operate and understand the, the ecosystem of the sector. So I would say the biggest challenge in a nutshell is people. How can we make sure that we hire, retain, align, and incentivize people to help you grow whatever works at the one to three million range to be able to grow to the 10, 20, 50, 100 million a year range? Wow, that's you're right. Most people won't like that answer because, as it is, we're globally going through a, a period of time where so many people are exiting the the sort of uh, you know job market, the professional world. They want to retire. Even young people who've made a, a good amount of money are saying, "I'm out. I just want to relax and have fun." So it's really challenging. I was listening to Mark Cuban a couple of days ago. Um, he was talking about his uh, online pharmacy that he spent already hundreds of millions of dollars trying, or he's launching. And they basically spent the last three years trying to build this online pharmacy. It's a big problem we have here in the US with drug costs. And I guess just to your point, Moran, he said, really, the reason why he even launched this was because the, the doctor who reached out to him and wanted to partner, he had the right team, had the right people. So that got him excited because he says, when I have the right people and on top of that, you have a, a, a product or a service that is in demand and we can scale, then it's exciting. But when you don't have the right people, he just walks away from deals. So it just kind of touches on the point that you're making right there. Yeah, 100%. And the most, again, I'm, I'm just being around people who are ahead of where, like, are, are where I want to be and ahead of me. Like when I, whenever I'm talking to them, they're telling me, look, like it, it's all about people. And like, mm -hmm. look at the biggest, the biggest entrepreneurs we all look 
up to, like the Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. I mean, it all comes down to that one person who have this crazy vision, who's yeah. crazy enough to believe in himself, is crazy enough to empower others or um, incentivize others to join him on that crazy vision. And then that, that's the biggest thing that I think most people don't understand is that most of those businesses are still in a mess. They're as messy as small businesses. They're just acting <laughs> as more professionalized or whatnot. Right. But I, I can tell you, I have, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming originally from Israel. Right now I'm coming all over the place, but I'm very much familiar with the tech space in Israel. And it's a very like lucrative space, like some unicorn multi-billion dollar companies were built there. And I, I know big players there. And, you know, there, some of them are good friends of mine. They run companies with thousands or hundreds of employees. And they're going through the same challenges that a small business go through. The, the biggest difference is that just the, is that the, those entrepreneurs are willing, able, have the courage to think bigger and, and right. play at, at, at a bigger, better game. That's right. Yeah, they've got the funding for it. But you're absolutely right. I've scaled my, several companies to close to 100 employees. And each time it was really the same challenges just amplified. And what I found in, in all those cases were that Early on, whatever culture we built, right, whatever culture and the vision and getting all that aligned, it was really important to get it like instilled and build that foundation early on. Because once you get certain, past a certain point, which this happened to me once with one of my companies, is you, you, you get too large and then you don't have control of the culture or the people, then you've got to go back to the drawing paper uh, uh, table and actually let go of a lot of those people because it could be toxic so that you can start over. So I, I can't, I guess, highlight how important it is to focus on that team. I recently met a gentleman, Moran, that um, he was launching an app and um, he spent two, two years building it really in high demand. It was growing and he wanted to look for a co-founder. He did something that very few co-founders do. He literally put out a call did a whole landing page, a video. I mean, provided as much as information as possible to go out there and identify or attract would-be co-founders. And he spent like six months interviewing all these different co-founders. And I said, wow, this is amazing because mostly people don't do that. They kind of just go like, hey, I think we get along. You have the same passions as I do. Let's get together and go. And it could sometimes work, but other times not. And this guy just went about it in a whole different way, um, spent time with his potential candidates, months and months and months of working together. I just thought that was such a different way of doing it because he was so focused on, I need the right core team in order for me to build this thing. I mean, it's all, it's all about the team. Like if you look at some of the biggest companies in the world, and I don't know, I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking out loud with you. I'm thinking about Zoom, right? The, yeah. the company we're, we're, we're both uh, talking through right now. I mean, if you hear the the the, the story of the, the founder, Eric Chuno. Uh, uh, sorry, forgive me for the exact uh, name, but his name is Eric. His executives that started the business with him are the same executives that run the business with him right now. Like mm -hmm. literally like 90% of the executives he started with are running with him right now. Obviously, it's a different game because he, he raised capital from VCs from the get-go, which allows you to hire um, those high-level executives. But it just shows you that he had the end of mind from, the, from day one, basically. He said, okay, I want to build a big company. Who are the people that I need from day one? to be able to manage a company that have thousands of employees that make billions of dollars in revenues. His personal net worth is right now is almost $10 billion, I think, or even more. Mm -hmm. 
don't catch me on the, the exact, but it's all about the people. It's all about the people. If you if you have any challenge, any business problem is usually people's problem. Yeah, it's an employee problem. It's a customer problem. It's a it's easier said than done to correct those mistakes because all of us have our egos and we don't know who we need mm-hmm. to hire and what when we need to let go of responsibility and whatnot. But at least in, in my short career that I have, I realized that every challenge that I have or had comes down to people challenges. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important. I think often those those founders who focus so much on product, you know, they spend so much time trying to get it to the point where it's perfect. And I've seen it so many times where it's not launched because they're waiting for perfection before they even get the right customer. And it's like, listen, yeah. if you have a demand in the market and you have competitors, that already proves to you that you can go out to market. And as long as you have good people to tell that story, take care of those customers, the rest sort of takes care of itself. Of course, you you, you have to have so much more in there, the right marketing, the messaging, all that, uh, all, all the stuff that goes along with every business. But in your case, you're seeing all these hundreds of companies come through your portal at acquisitions.com. What are some of the things that you're seeing, Moran, that it, immediately for you, it's like a plus? You know, I'm thinking of the guys from Shark Tank, right? They often mm. talk about like, Listen, if you're a service business, you're a software company, SaaS, whatever, you're building content, you have content, your SEO is good. These are big pluses. Whereas a company that comes through and has no story, no online visibility, they kind of feel like, listen, we're still going to have to build that out. It's nice that you have some customers, but you have nothing else on the back end. What are some of the things that you look for that excite you about a new company coming through? Yeah, so that's probably a checklist that I can go through. That's probably a whole conversation on its own. Like, what, what is even a good business to start with? But I would say, especially when it comes to acquisitions, to buying companies. So when we're looking at deals, we're looking at companies that already like more stable than the startup or like the Shark Tank or It's pretty much a lot of them investing in, in the idea and the promise mm-hmm. of having future revenue. So it's a different, bit of a different game. For us, when we're looking at companies, it's more about finding companies that already have a product market fit and then we want to take them to the next level. So with those guys, like you start with the simple things, even things like like your financial uh, performance or quality of financial. So obviously, what's going on with your revenues, with your overall sales numbers, with your right. profits, the different margins, even the quality of financials. Like I can tell you, we have companies we talk to that come to us and have audited financials from big four accounting firms, like from Ernst & Young or PwC. And then you have companies who come to us and tell us, hey, look, Here's the business. It made 10 million, I'm just throwing out numbers, made $10 million in revenues last year. Uh, but actually there's extra 50% in cash that uh, we collected under the table. So that's therefore we're worth more. So guess <laughs> who's going to get a, a penalty for evaluation versus a company that might be worth more. Obviously the company that have, you know, audited financials and they're just doing things seriously and legit and hopefully um, everything is legal. So it started with things like that. Then it comes down to obviously what's going on with the revenues. The numbers are growing, declining. What's the reason for that? Uh, what's the growth potential? What's the sector is going to look like? What are the trends in the sector? What the, what's dependency on one client, employee, mm. customer looks like, right? So if there's one customer that's producing 100% of the revenues, guess what? That's a risk. If there's uh, only one employee in the business, and obviously I'm, I'm super um, uh, exaggerating things just to, to show you the different mm-hmm. paths, but but it's kind of like if there's 
only one customer is producing 10 million revenues, then I'm taking a huge risk. What's happening with clients living? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to understand if the business is it easy or difficult to produce cash flow um, in the first place. What's the terms with like receivables, payables? Um, what amount of the revenues is recurring revenue? The more recurring revenue we have, the more valuable the business is. What right. uh, uniqueness the business have in the market? Um, Warren Buffett call it the mold, right? Like how different that business is from others, how difficult it is to compete or start a business from scratch to compete with it, how happy the customers are with the product service. Sure. So yeah, we could probably have a, a long conversation just on that, but that's that's where I would start with. No, those are great. I mean, really great categories of what you're, how you're analyzing the companies. I think it's, you know, even for those who are not looking to sell their companies, but as they try to scale, these are things that you should be doing on a regular basis. You, you mentioned how happy their customers are. Often when I talk to clients or a company I'm trying to invest in, I look for that because I'm on the marketing lead gen side. I look for, look, before you go scale a lead generation campaign to really drive massive amounts of traffic to your website. First of all, we need to know if the customers are happy, what's the churn rate. These are all the things that you're talking about that, you know, sometimes can sound like it's a marketing or sales problem, but they definitely come into play when, when you're talking about potentially getting acquired. So you talked about people. I've come across a lot of companies that wanted to merge with my, with my company, but they say, look, we want to buy the company, but you, it's an aqua hire. You want to come along. And it's one of those things where if you're trying to sell the company because you're ready to exit and you feel like you have the leverage, you just want to sell the company and maybe stay on for a year as you transition, but not stay long-term. So for in my case, often I've passed on several opportunities for that reason, because I said, well, if I'm going to stay on, then I'll just keep building it. Right. And so, which I think gets back to what you were saying, it's the people side of things, you know, and obviously bigger companies want the people to come along with them. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for those types of companies who who are being told like, look, if if we're going to buy your company, you need to come along and you need to stay on three, four, five years? It, it's a good question. Like I said, it all comes down to the, I, I think life in general, again, back to kind of like, what are we even doing in business? Because at some point, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to say it, but what the stats are saying, like after 80,000 a year or something like that, your happiness is much reliant about your income or something like that. So I would tell you at some point, it comes down to who are the people you work with and obviously what's the upside potential that you have. So like mm-hmm. I said, if, if someone is looking to merge with you and you know, we're doing or looking to do some of those deals, it's, it's, it's a question of like, yeah, what's, what's the upside for that company? Assuming mm-hmm. someone's buying you or merging with you, what kind of upside that company is going to get? Like, are you going to get any upside by merging with them or having synergy with the other companies in their existing um, holding company? Are you going to get any other value from being with them? And that value can be, you know, can be capital, can be people, can be access mm-hmm. to a different network or community or uh, access to different skills or scale abilities. Mm-hmm. So, so I think a lot of it comes down to, you're asking what people who are being offered to marriage or sell need to be aware of is being aware of what, what do you want? And I think yeah. in general, all of us, including me, including most people that I talk to, a lot of us are just, we lack clarity of what we really want because there's so many opportunities out there right now in the world. Dress is always greener syndrome. And it's just a question of what do we want to do with our life? And sometimes the opportunity of merging with others could be interesting, especially Mm -hmm. if there's value there. But sometimes the opportunity of selling part of your equity or merging with others can mean to let go of control and letting them control you. So for some people, it might not be 
cool because most entrepreneurs start businesses because they don't want someone to control them. They want to start businesses to have the freedom. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes down to the nuances. And then, of course, um, yeah, if, if you're getting an offer to be in marriage or sell, then you need to have a good process to make sure that you're making the most out of it or at least create the most value for yourself and, then, and everyone around you. So in your experience, I mean, as a real serial entrepreneur, and I'm sure like most of us in the, this entrepreneurial journey, we're always looking for new shiny objects to keep us excited. And it seems like with your acquisitions of all these companies, it, it probably satisfies that, that need to constantly be looking at creating new things, right? But uh, in general, with your day-to-day operations of multiple businesses, what do you find as an entrepreneur the most challenging thing in your day-to-day life? People. It's all about people. Yeah. How, how, how can I hire retain, incentivize, align people. Because when I have people that I like around me, first of all, I, I just enjoy waking up. But when someone is a drainer, is yeah. is, is uh, taking away energy, it's 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 frustrating. And, and I'm not married, but I'm seeing friends of mine who are married and their marriage is not good. And it's like, it, it feels like that sometimes when you have someone around you, especially if someone is, uh, like, like, c-suite level like or a partner in the business it's it's the most frustrating thing you can have and i think on the other side when you have someone that you really enjoy working with that you understand that you both go to you both go to war but you go to war with someone that you are happy to go to war with i don't mm-hmm. think that there's a lot of things that are as satisfying as, as doing that and and if if it works awesome you create an impact you're creating value and even if it's not as long as you work with the right people you understand that it's part of the process and you're happy to overcome those challenges with them. And, you know, I'm, I have a really good friend who took like nine companies public um, here is like 72 years old. Mm-hmm. He took his first company public like in the eighties. So it's, it's crazy. And I, I see him, he's still looking to do more things. We're looking to do things together right now. And I'm asking him what, what's exciting you right now? What, why are you even doing things? Yeah. More, more money than most people would know what to do with Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's not about the money. It's about, it's about the game. It's about the play. It's about working with people that I enjoy working with. It's about understanding the challenges mm-hmm. and, and ups and downs. It's part of the game and it's part of the process, part of life. And, and hopefully I could go through those ups and downs with people that I enjoy uh, going through those things with. And hopefully when we fail, they'll understand that it's part of life and there won't be any personal blame. They'll mm-hmm. understand that, hey, that's, that's just part of it. And, and all of us are, playing a part of that game and and yeah we'll, we'll, we'll make money we will lose money and hopefully over time we'll make more money than we'll lose money but he told me look i at this point I'm, I'm i'm old enough to understand it i made money i have enough money but there's nothing more satisfying fulfilling and enjoying than just playing the game that you decided that you're happy to play yeah. No, I think we, we could call this the people episode, but I so agree with you on yeah. every level. It does come back to people. I, my wife and I, we've been in business. We have four kids and we've been in business together for 15 years. Uh, she doesn't play as big of a role these days as she used to before we had kids. But either way, like you see, you were kind of given the analogy there of a marriage and business. I've had the opportunity to have both with my wife. And when the relationship is good and you Every time you know you sit down to do a project and work together, you know that that person is going to challenge you and make you better. It's super exciting. It's super exciting. And when you don't have that, even in the business, I agree with you. I mean, I, I would even venture to say, Moran, that even, even when it comes to clients, right? 
it's easy to just say yes to a new client that comes through and has the budget to to buy your product or service but it's it's much better to have really high level like criteria to qualify that customer because not all clients are going to excite you so i would even venture to say not even just in the business but even when it comes to the clients that you attract it's so important to bring on people that like you said are relationship focused and can make you better and so for those uh, those entrepreneurs listening out there i think this is the, in this episode with what moran said here the focus is really all around people if you want to succeed you get good people around you so moran anything else you want to leave us with um, in in terms of acquisitions.com what, what should we look for with you in the coming future i mean Look, our, our mission is pretty straightforward. We want to help people buy businesses and then connect them with other similar businesses uh, to create more value. It's kind of like, again, I'm not married, but from people who are married uh, like yourself for many years, I've heard that the more years it goes by with someone that you're happy being married with, the relationship is getting better and better and you're more excited mm-hmm. to actually be with them. So I want to think that I'm more excited to be around this world of acquisitions and roll-ups. I, I just bought the domain rollups.com because I'm, I'm more excited about the acquisition world than I've ever been before. I'm more excited about the idea that you can buy an existing business that already produced revenues and profits mm-hmm. and have employees and products than starting from scratch. Because again, and I'll finalize with that, like look at the data out there, 90, 90 plus percent of startups just fail. And, yeah. and even those who succeed, like around 90% of businesses in the US are one-man show. So most businesses never reach 1 million revenues. And, and right. I think with acquisitions, you we basically skip that step. We go and buy businesses that already produce revenues and we save jobs, we create jobs, we get value in different markets, in local markets, in national markets. And um, I really believe that entrepreneurs are the people who can really create value in the world, not, not governments and all that BS. So, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not that... I'm not that cool. I'm not that important, but I feel like I'm, I'm doing something that is impactful. I'm, I'm help, helping myself feel good. And, and, you know, I, I enjoy that process. So that's, that's what we're looking to do, I think. Well, no, well, thanks for being here on the podcast. And I, I do agree with you. I mean, honestly, entrepreneurs uh, at whatever level you, if you're creating jobs, if you're serving people, you make the economy go around. So it's it's the, the whole world of entrepreneurship is is absolutely exciting. Uh, where, where can our listeners connect with you, Moran? Yeah, just acquisitions.com, acquisitions with S in the end.com. And, uh, yeah, so, so, so for those entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, I always say this to my guests who end the, the podcast with, um, you know, I, I ask them, where should our listeners connect with you? And some will say, hey, go to LinkedIn or to social media or to the website. And to the ones that say, come to my website, as you just did, I got to give you props because that's marketing 101, man. Don't send people to your social media channels. Send people directly to your website. So, you know, congratulations on that one. You, you, you could wear your marketing hat for the day. 100%. Thank you.